Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. We are. We are. We are cultivate. 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 We are cultivate. Pineapple Pizza Podcast discusses the histories, cultures, and beliefs of regions around the world. These stories often contain mature and sometimes disturbing content that may not be suitable for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to Pineapple Pizza Podcast, where we serve up slices of mythology, cryptozoology, and urban legends. It's an interesting combination of flavors. Weird, but it works. Today's special is a, how about today's special is an artful story by the slice. I'm your hostess, Ashley, and with me today, as always, are the sweet and sassy Emily and Lindsay. Hey. (laughs) Sweet and sassy. It felt accurate. (laughs) (laughs) I'll take it. I considered sarcastic, but then I was like, that's mostly me. So I did not. I did not do that one. All right, so let's get into it. I think this is going to be a lot of fun, and I'm excited to share this with you. Yay! Woo! Most people are familiar with the trope of the tortured artist, which refers to the artist who is perpetually frustrated by their own art, other people, and the world at large. It's connected to the bigger idea that in order to produce truly transcendent works of art, an artist must suffer because intense emotions drive one's art to the next level. The beginnings of this trope are usually traced back to Plato, who I do not like. You are welcome. (laughs) But Plato proposed in his The Republic that poetry should be banned from the ideal republic because it stirs the passions instead of drying them up, which is, of course, supposed to be a bad thing in the black and white universe where emotion is viewed as the antithesis to logic. Fuck you, Plato. I love poetry. (laughs) She's read so many of them. And I'm still smart and logical when I want. God. He probably wouldn't like me anyway, though, because I'm a woman. So let's move on. Just foist him into the river. I will foist him (laughs) right into that river. (laughs) In reality, scientists have found true connections between creativity and mental illness. Did you guys know that? I'm not surprised by that. so much about me. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. 
it hurts me inside, but it's fine. Forces your brain. It voices your brain to work in a different way. I'm never going to live down voiced. <laughs> <laughs> Next time we record, I'm going to forget all about it. So it's going to be like so new to me. I'm going to record myself doing who's on first, but I'm going to say voiced the whole time just for funsies. <laughs> it's going to be great. We'll put it on Patreon. There we go. <laughs> um, in an article for Mental Floss, Jessica Hillinger writes, A 2012 study in the Journal of Psychiatric Pop... Wow. In the Journal of Psychiatric Research found that creative professionals are 8% more likely than the general population to be bipolar. Writers are especially vulnerable, the researchers say, being 120% more prone to suffer from bipolar disorder. Whoa. Yup. Writers are also more likely to abuse substances and take their own lives. Ouch. Yeah. It's alright. It's okay. We're going to get into it. What is it that, sorry, why is it, not what, why is it that creativity is connected to madness? Hillinger explains, quote, creativity and mental illness share a process called cognitive disinhibition or a failure to filter out all the useless information one encounters in the world. Yep. As Eric Jaffe at Co-Design explains it, this failure may make schizotypal personalities more prone to delusional thoughts or mental confusion, or, on the flip side, it could make creative minds more fertile. That sounds like it would be wildly frustrating to go through, but also create just this whole new world that other people will never experience yep Mm -hmm. the inability to filter out all of that stuff means that you literally take in and i'll go with absorb i guess more things that people aren't noticing around you and that can propel your work forward so that's the idea now examples of writers who fit the bill abound Think Edgar Allan Poe, one of my personal favorites. Ernest Hemingway, who I do not like, but yeah, he was an okay writer most of the time. I say it (laughs) begrudgingly. Hunter S. Thompson, Mm -hmm. Sylvia Plath, Mm -hmm. Philip K. Dick, Anne Sexton, and Welsh poet Dylan Thomas are just a few that I could name. I didn't look any of those up. I was like, these are the ones off the top of my head. All of them had all of them had mental illness and all of them abused substances to try to self-medicate. The link between creativity, genius, and mental illness extends to more art forms than the written word alone, and that segues us into what we're really here to talk about. So now that I've laid the groundwork, I have a question for you. Have you heard the story about Vincent Van Gogh's ear? Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. What happened? Oh, gosh. It was so long ago. Wasn't it something where, like, if I'm remembering it correctly, and I probably am not because my memory is not super great, it was something where, like, the result of the woman he loved didn't love him back and he cut off the ear? Despite his face. I don't know. (laughs) 
<laughs> That's when you cut off your nose despite your face. Not despite his face. <laughs> what were you, you going to say, Em? Yeah, I, I, what I remember was something. A story that had to do with a woman and that there, he was like so seriously depressed that he ended up cutting off his ear. But I don't know if that has anything to do with the truth or if it was more like Lewis Carroll who viewed things just weirdly. So the real story is way cooler and I knew it. So I was like, let's do it. So that's what we're going to do. I'm going to tell you what really happened. Yay. And by the way, I know that there's a big debate on the fact that Americans don't say Van Gogh's last name right. I would try to force myself to pronounce it correctly, but I'm just going to keep going back to Van Gogh anyway, because that's all I've heard of my whole life, so we're just going to stick with it, even though it's wrong. I'm sorry. It's supposed to be Van Gogh, isn't it? Mm-hmm. And I can't make myself say it like that consistently. I've tried. You scoff at Van Gogh? I don't, but I can't say it that way. Oh. <laughs> I'm going to Van Gogh on with the story. <laughs> I liked it. So one of Van Gogh's dreams was to start an artist colony. And it was in pursuit of this goal that he moved to Arles, France in February of 1888. He found the famous little yellow house and moved in. Then all he needed was to find another artist who wanted to move in and paint alongside him. Van Gogh had met Paul Gauguin, quick pause, who is a total fucking creep and I don't like him. Unpause. <laughs> <laughs> Record scratch. Listen, he's not a good guy, but we're not going to go into that right now. Maybe that'll be a different story by the slice. I'll write a story by the slice on why Paul Gauguin was a total creep. It'll be <laughs> awesome. Um, but he had met Paul Gauguin the previous year in Paris when Vincent's brother Theo introduced them. In case you didn't know, Theo Van Gogh was an art dealer, and he represented Gauguin at the time, so that's how they were connected. With some persuasion from Theo, Gauguin agreed to move into the Yellow House in Arles in October, so he moved in about eight months after Vincent. For the first few weeks, everything went swimmingly. The two artists got along well and spent almost all of their time together in the little house, often painting side by side and producing a great deal of work in this manner. But over time, Gauguin began moving away from Impressionism, the style to which Van Gogh was passionately committed. And as such, Gauguin's views about art were becoming very different from Vincent's. Uh-oh. As is often the case when two people are stuck in close quarters for an extended period of time, the relationship between the two men grew tense, and Gauguin found Van Gogh's erratic moods worrisome. Which, okay, I'll give you that one even though you suck. It was worrisome. Toward the end of December, Van Gogh, who sensed Gauguin's growing unhappiness, asked if Gauguin was planning to leave. When Gauguin admitted that he was, Vincent was absolutely devastated. Aww. He tore a line from the newspaper that read, quote, the murderer took flight, end quote, and handed it to Gauguin and then walked away. <laughs> wow. It's dramatic. No kidding. 
After dinner on December 23rd, Gauguin decided to go for a walk. But he didn't make it far from the house before he heard Vincent's steps approaching rapidly from behind him. Uh oh. He turned around to see Van Gogh approaching with a razor in his hand. <gasps> but then Vincent stopped, hung his head for a moment, turned, and walked back toward the house. Next. Ooh. For obvious reasons, Gauguin spent the night in a hotel. Yeah. <laughs> you don't say. <laughs> that was a good choice, old chap. <laughs> For some reason, I don't feel comfortable staying here tonight. Feels a little awkward. I don't know. Maybe it was the piece of the newspaper you gave me that said murder in it, and then you had a razor. I don't know. The exact details of what happened after Vincent went back inside the house are hazy. Because whenever Vincent would awaken from one of these fits of so-called madness, he would have only vague recollections of what had happened beforehand. Sure. Here's what we do now, and it's piecemeal, so let's try to do what we can with it. What we do know comes from the records of Gauguin, Theo Van Gogh, and the French police. Oh, <laughs> nice. Well. So around 10 p.m., Vincent used the razor to cut off his entire left ear, which he wrapped in newspaper. To be clear, there have been many sources that have reported it was only the lobe Vincent cut off. I've seen that over and over and over again, and for a long time, I thought that that was true. Wait, didn't his self-portrait have him with his whole ear covered? It's bandaged, though, so you can't see whether or not there's an ear still there. And that's actually the that's actually the reason why it was misreported so widely, is nobody really saw it after that. He always had a bandage over his head. That's fair. But a drawing made by one of the doctors who treated Vincent at the hospital in Arles shows, like it's a dot, one of those diagrams, mm -hmm. it shows an, an incision going across the entire base of the ear, so he right. cut the whole ear off. Ugh. Ugh. So gross. Yeah. That's why it's been misreported so widely, is no one saw it. And it makes sense if you think about it. If it's covered under a bandage, you're not gonna know what's left and what isn't. Mm -hmm. Now, to cover the bloody incision, Vincent put a hat on and yanked it down over his ears. Well, his ear and his bloody stump area. Nubbins. His ear and his nubbin. Uh, and then he walked to a nearby brothel. Hey, ladies. <laughs> I'm having a bad day. The often repeated story goes that upon entering the brothel, Van Gogh asked for a sex worker named Rachel. And when she appeared, he handed her the newspaper and told her to guard this object carefully. <sighs> oh my gosh. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Can you even imagine? No. <laughs> I can't. <laughs> According to the local newspaper, the girl fainted immediately. Yeah. <laughs> Which, you know what? Fair. I don't want to be handed an ear a bloody ear in mm -hmm. newspaper ever. Thanks. Yeah. However, art historian Bernadette Murphy, who heavily researched the mystery of Van Gogh's ear, 
scoured the census records and could not locate any sex worker named Rachel who was in Arl at that time. So that's bull. That didn't happen. Would they show up in census records, though, or would they evade it? You had to register to be a... I refuse to say the P word. That you had to register to be a sex worker in France at this time. You had to register. That's what I was curious. Did they try and fly under the radar? What she did find was a newspaper article that stated the recipient of the ear was actually named Gabby. The only Gabrielle she could find any record of, who was also connected to that specific brothel, the one that was within walking distance, was only 18 in December 1888. According to that woman's descendants, Gabrielle was employed at the brothel as a maid, not one of the sex workers. And this claim is supported by the fact that the minimum age to register and be a sex worker in France, which again, you had to register, the minimum age was 21, not 18. So she probably really was a cleaner. That poor girl. When Gauguin came home the following evening, he was startled to find the police there with a crowd of onlookers watching. Just like a bunch, can you even imagine you just come home, you had a really bad night, you slept in a hotel because you had like the weirdest fight in history, (laughs) and now there are cops and looky-loos all over the lawn. Oh my god. Yep. So, when the officers initially arrived at the house, they found blood everywhere. Ugh, head wounds, head wounds, man. They, yep, they bleed profusely. If you've never seen one, it's a lot of blood. If you've never seen one, how did you go through your whole life never injuring your head? I don't know. Like, even, like, <laughs> nosebleeds and stuff. Those are yeah. crazy. Cool. Oh, okay. So they found blood all over the house, and then they come upon Vincent's body just laying in bed, covered in fucking blood. Ugh. So thinking he'd completed suicide, the officers actually thought Van Gogh was dead until Gauguin got there and he touched the body and realized that Vincent was still alive. He was just asleep. <laughs> Sorry. They're like old-fashioned, like current police taping off the whole dang place. Nothing to see here, folks. Nothing to see. Just a dead body. And Vincent's in there like, what's going on? They're getting ready to like pull up the blanket to cover his body <laughs> and he's just like, dude's sleeping, man. <laughs> Other guy walks in, pokes him, and he's like, you guys are idiots. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So he realizes he's still alive, and then Gauguin is like, okay, here's what we're going to do. Wake him up. Do it super gently, but you sure as hell better wait until after I'm gone, because I'm not staying here. <laughs> <laughs> so he gets his shit, and he gets the hell out of there. He asks them to tell him if Vincent ask where I am if they if he asks for Paul you tell him I went back to Paris like I'm not staying here (laughs) so the police had Van Gogh transported to a hospital to recover where it was later reported Vincent repeatedly asked to see his friend Paul Gauguin still hoping their friendship could be saved so like he was still thinking that they could work it out somehow For weeks, Van Gogh battled against fever and infection, 
and continued to worry over his friendship with Paul Gauguin. Which, dude, he's not worth it. He sucks. Yeah. He's not coming back. It sounds like Van Gogh had some other stuff going on. If you can't see that that could so damage a friendship and a relationship. He doesn't He doesn't remember it. Oh, because he has those manic periods, yeah. Yeah, when he wakes up from his episodes, he doesn't really remember what happened. So he knew that they argued and stuff. But I don't think he remembered all those details. Like, that's oh, gone. That's even worse. Yeah. Eventually, he must have realized that, like his ear, their friendship was beyond repair. Aww. Aww. You're welcome. <laughs> that's, my, <laughs> that's my favorite sentence I've ever written. In February 1889, two months after the ear incident, a petition supposedly signed by Vincent's neighbors in Oral was circulated with the aim of kicking him out of the town. Van Gogh was under the impression that 80 people had signed it, which completely broke his heart. In reality, the petition only had 30 signatures on it. And when historian Bernadette Murphy compared the names on the petition with a database she compiled during her research of the 13,000 residents living in Arles while Vincent was there, she was only able to match six of the 30 names. So the other 24 were fraudulent. That sucks. The six people just are dicks. Everybody who signed it is a dick. We don't like you. Following his time in Arles, Vincent checked himself into a mental institution in San Remy, where he remained for a year, during which time he alternated between periods of intense creativity and worsening fits of madness. While in San Remy, he painted some of his most famous works, including Starry Night, my personal favorite. In May of 1890, after checking out of the mental institution, Van Gogh moved to Auvers sur Oise. I might be getting that wrong, and I apologize. As we've explored a lot on here, I can't speak French at all. <laughs> he continued to suffer from extreme feelings of hopelessness until July 27th, when he allegedly shot himself. Van Gogh passed away two days later. He was only 37 years old. Oh, that's how old I am. I don't like that. Oh, God. He's a year younger than me. He looked a lot older than that. That's a mean thing to say, but... Rough life. Rough life. That's what happens when you live hard. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he was very, very poor. Yeah. So, I mean... And he had no idea what a genius he was. Yeah. Ingredients for this story by the slice were sourced from of the website VanGoGallery.com, a Wikipedia page on the tortured artist, Jessica Hillinger's article, Scientists, colon, the tortured artist is a real thing, mental floss. <laughs> a page from the Van Gogh Museum website called Why Did Vincent Van Gogh Cut Off His Ear? A page from History.com, Vincent Van Gogh Chops Off His Ear. That's literally the title of the page. <laughs> And finally, a page from UC Berkeley Library News website. What actually happened to Vincent Van Gogh's ear? Here are three things you should know. And that's a story. It's pretty awesome. It was awesome. I didn't know all that. I, I knew that there was more to it. Like you, 
history has told us that what we learned when we were in elementary school or middle school wasn't right. But I didn't know all that. So if you're one of those people who walked around your whole life thinking Vincent Van Gogh fell in love with a sex worker and was so tortured about it that he chopped off his ear and gave it to her to prove that he loved her, you were wrong. He did hand his severed ear to an 18-year-old who was probably some sort of janitor that he knew. I must have known because he asked for her by name. Um, but he was not in love with her. I don't know why he handed her the ear, and he probably didn't know either. Yeah. <laughs> I feel so bad for her. It sucks. sucks. Well, you know, you could dine out on that story for the rest of your life. <laughs> <laughs> I have a question. I was just going to ask, what what would be your favorite period of art or style of art? Oh, um, probably either Impressionism or if you are familiar with it, I really like Pointillism as well. <gasps> Me too. Those are two of my favorites. Yeah. But then I also, and I, I know it's like egotistical to say after we just talked about this whole thing, but I also fall on that disturbed creativity mental illness spectrum. So maybe that's why I like it so much. I don't know. There's just something beautiful about the way Impressionism looked at the world. Well, Van Gogh figured out how to paint radiating light in a way that no one has ever been able to do before or since. So it's magic. It is. What about you, Linz? Um, I really like Art Nouveau style, so mm. like Mucha is my favorite um, artist. I don't think I've ever heard of Mucha. I'm trying to think of what his first name is. I have his book. I have a book about him. But like, you know my big cat poster back there? The mm-hmm. famous cat poster? That's like Mucha. Ah, nice. Is that like 1940s? Yeah, so it's like a lot of the, um, well, this one's 1896. So this oh. is like a <laughs> lot a of the... Off. <laughs> a lot of the um like the posters you would see about um like Boulan Rouge and stuff like that. Mm, um, yeah. Mucha yeah. and um Toulouse Lautrec is the other one that's yeah. like big in that style. Yeah. I love him. So, yeah, that's my favorite. He was a weird French guy. <laughs> And actually, like, I have at least one more that I'm working on that's from my art, like, my weird art history obsession. So we'll probably do another, a few more art-related ones. But anyway, that's this week's Story About a Slice. Um, so thank you for visiting our beautiful pizzeria and enjoying a painful Story by the Slice. <laughs> Pineapple Pizza Podcast, sweet and cheesy. Not everyone understands our awesomeness, but we're glad that you do question mark if you're enjoying the show and you'd like to help support us check out our tea public shop for some amazingly fun and funny merch or if you want to do a one-time donation you can do that on buymeacoffee.com and buy us a fresh slice because we can never get enough of basically anything if we're being honest If you absolutely love the show and you want to check out some fantastic bonus content, you can become a donor on Patreon and earn all kinds of amazing benefits. We have three tiers to accommodate almost any budget. Become a patron today and start enjoying all the perks and extra content right away. Don't forget, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at PineAppPizzaPod. That's PineAppAppPizzaPod. 
You can also send us questions, comments, and topic ideas at pineappppizzapod at gmail.com. Remember, there's the two P's in app. Otherwise, you're emailing someone else, and I don't want to be held responsible for that. Thanks for stopping in for some deliciously weird morsels. And just remember, no matter how you slice it, you're awesome. And we love you.